listener, and welcome to another episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and today's episode is by listener request. We had a listener reach out uh, in response to our recent interview with Katie Hake, saying that they love the episode, they love the interview, but really what they wanted was to understand the principles of intuitive eating, which Katie and I talked about a little bit, but we really didn't get into that deeply. So ask and ye shall receive. Uh, thank you very much to that listener for reaching out. And here's the episode that you asked for. But first, I have an ask for you. And that's that next week, if you've been a longtime listener of the Better Than Fine podcast, you know that every December on my birthday, we turn the mic around. And that's going to be next week. So next week, we're gonna have a special guest host. Ooh, teaser secret. But that host has asked for some audience questions. So this is my ask of you. If you've got a question that you want them to ask me, well, go ahead and submit that question. You could email me info at Darlene.coach, um, or there's going to be posts on Instagram and on LinkedIn. My Instagram handle is Darlene.coach. I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. Um, so submit your questions and you might have it asked on next week's episode of the podcast. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to this week's episode. Uh, I want to start out by just mentioning this week's episode heavily references the website intuitiveeating.org. So you could go there to get resources on anything I'm going to talk about in this episode. Uh, and that's because intuitive eating is based on the research of Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. Um, back in 1995, they published their first paper on the framework of intuitive eating. And since then, we've had almost 20 years of research validating the intuitive eating systems, these ideals, these principles I'm going to talk about today. Um, if you want more of like a history and a bit more around application, how a nutritionist might use that information, you can go check out the episode where I interviewed Katie Hake uh, just a few weeks ago. And I also want to throw out there, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about dieting, diet culture, the beliefs around diet culture, I'm going to be talking about our relationship with food and eating and dieting. And so if that's something that maybe isn't the best thing for your well-being in this exact moment, you might want to skip this episode um, or you might find it helpful. So prioritize your own wellness journey because uh, that's what really matters to us on this show anyway. All right, let's get to it. Let's talk about these 10 principles of the system that is intuitive eating. And again, if you want more information on the general system, you could go check out that interview with Katie Hake. The number one principle, the first principle, let's kick it off. Reject the diet mentality. So maybe you've never thought about it before, or maybe you have, about all of the beliefs that go into diet culture and the idea of dieting, the idea of restricting how we eat, controlling how we eat specifically to change the shape of your body. One of the foundational beliefs in diet culture that is deeply unhelpful is the idea that losing weight can be easy, it can be quick, and it can be permanent. Because honestly, there's a great wealth of scientific information. And if you would like access to some references on that, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and we're going to be having an episode on this with a guest in January that essentially the science says losing weight, controlling your weight, it's not easy, quick, or permanent. Uh, and the idea that you are personally responsible and maybe even a bit of a personal failure if you can't just lose weight is incorrect. 
And so Tripoli and Resch assert that if you're still clinging to the hope that some magic diet is going to appear in your life and change your weight, that you're not actually free to then intuitively eat, to interpret the signals, the information that your body is giving you so that you can deepen that relationship for what's going to actually work for you. And so that's first principle is that you have to reject all of that social conditioning, all of that mentality in order to fully embrace the other nine principles of intuitive eating. So it starts with just rejecting those unhelpful ideas that many of us have learned as part of diet culture. So that's a number one. All right. Principle number two is honoring your hunger. And that starts with the idea that hunger is this normal biological signal that your body is giving you about where it's at and what it needs. Certainly all of us know that your body needs to eat in order to live. And when we don't eat, this primal drive based in hormones and organ function stimulates you to eat. And that creates a feedback loop. And eventually, if you go long enough without satisfying that drive for nutrition, you're going to be stimulated to overeat. And I certainly have observed this in clients. It comes up really frequently and it requires a bunch of unpacking and relearning because so often my clients will have been taught by their experience in dieting to ignore their own hunger cues right? That hunger is something to be suppressed or avoided or all like every crummy weight loss tip out there that tells you how to get full before you're actually eating. Like all of that is around trying to trick your hunger, which is a very foundational biological signal. And if you're honoring your hunger, you're not going to try to avoid it. You're going to try to understand it and satisfy it so that you can move on. But this kind of, this principle, honoring your hunger, principle number two, actually leads in to principle number three, which is make peace with food. Food is not our enemy. It's not something that needs to be avoided or hacked or messed with. And with your truce, the truce that you're calling when you make peace with your food, comes an unconditional permission to eat to do this very natural required biological drive that is eating. So let me unpack this relationship between the two because it goes directly to how I use it with clients and how I see it showing up in our lives. So when we restrict a food as being off limits, right? Like, oh, I can't have that. I'm not allowed. And again, I'm going to caveat that with like, this is very different than someone who has celiac disease or lactose intolerance or a food allergy, right? Like that's different than saying like, oh, no, 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 I just can't have carbs or whatever, bread. So we label it off limits. And eventually that can create deprivation. It can create limitations around the nutrition that we're seeking. Like our body wants it for a reason. And if we haven't invested in figuring out what that reason is, eventually we're going to have some kind of craving. And when that continues, eventually you do give into the craving and it comes with 
intense experiences, maybe over-consuming. You end up overly full. You have more than you intended. You have more than maybe your body really was calling for, but you did it because you deprived yourself for so long that the craving became overwhelming. And then very oftentimes I have clients who then experience those three horsemen of the emotional apocalypse, shame, blame, and guilt. And then in response to their shame, blame, and guilt, they will undereat, right? Thereby not honoring their hunger. That was number two. So by not honoring their hunger because they were at war with their food, they then end up over hungry and then we cycle repeats itself. So this deprivation cycle, in order to break it, we've got to interrupt the foundation. And that means honoring your hunger and making peace that food is not the enemy. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. And today we are unpacking by listener request the 10 principles of intuitive eating. So number one was rejecting the diet mentality. Number two was honoring your hunger. Number three was making peace with food. And number four is a continuation of that theme. It's to challenge the food police, right? If you're at war with your food, you got to police your food. And when we are taught these rules and the judgment that comes with diet culture, with, uh, you know, you are or are not allowed to eat this or that, gradually as we're given these signals by our environment about what's good or what's bad, we start to internalize the judgments, the criticism, the shame, blame, and guilt. And eventually... We have an internal dialogue about what we should or shouldn't be doing, what is good or bad. And that comes with internal criticism and judgment. And that's what the food police really is. It's that voice in your head that says, oh, no, 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 you can't have that. Or, ooh, I really shouldn't have done that. And the, the principle, this number four, challenge the food police that's learning to challenge those unhelpful thoughts, but to do it in helpful ways, right? So what we don't want to do is, oh, no, you're not allowed to have that. Oh, I'm not supposed to be judging myself. That's what that podcast host said. Like, I'm not supposed to be doing that. Don't beat yourself up. And then you're just more guilt. You're stacking on like meta shame as opposed to going like, okay, that's something I was taught. That's not who I want to be anymore. Moving on. Right? You don't have to like guilt on top of your shame. You can just meet yourself where you are. And we're going to talk about that. It comes up in a later principle. Okay, so number four was challenging the food police. Number five, and as a positive psychology person, you're going to pick up on why this one is one of my favorites. This is one of the ones that I think that is most essential to the principles. And, and I had to really challenge myself writing this episode. I have gotten feedback from some fans of the show, how much they love it when I like overly geek out because I'm too excited about something and I'll start repeating the same phrase over and over again. Um, apparently, I really went over the top in the Kelly McGonigal episode, but this really is one of my favorites. They're all my favorite, but this one's favorite. All right, so number five is discover satisfaction. Food is many things. And we're going to talk about that in a second too. But one of the most important things that food is, is a source of pleasure. And diet culture makes that pleasure guilty, sometimes even sinful. 
And then, and I think this is one of the really twisted things about diet culture, marketing and food culture in general. It's that pleasure then often gets substituted with fake satisfaction. And I got a couple stories here for you uh, on what I mean by that. But I do think it's kind of interesting that you've got this biological drive. Your body is calling for something. And then you're taught, don't give in to that, but then have this fake thing that's almost like the thing you actually want, but doesn't actually satisfy you or give you pleasure in the first place. So then you never get the payoff. And that just makes the cycle repeat. All right. So let me, let me give you my personal example of this. Uh, so I got two stories. The first is a certain high protein diet ice cream that will remain nameless. Um, this ice cream, if, if you know, you know, if you don't, let me just explain what it is. It's designed so that you could eat the whole pint of ice cream and still have like a, what would can be considered a restrictive number of calories, but it's very high protein. It's, it's a very chemically processed fake ice cream. So back in when I was engaging in dieting behaviors, when I would eat this like fake diet, high protein ice cream, my teeth and my whole jaw would ache for the rest of the night to the point that I couldn't have it too close to bed because sometimes I wouldn't be able to sleep because of the aching pain in my jaw, right? But I'm not supposed to feel bad about it because it's got better macros than real ice cream, right? Like, and in reality, when I step back and I actually think about what's actually satisfying, what do I really want? And if no food is off limits, then why would I eat the thing that's so chemically altered that it's causing me physical pain? Uh, it's the mysteries of diet culture, right? But if I lean into satisfaction, what I actually want, I might actually just enjoy the pleasure of eating real ice cream and end up in a better place to begin with. All right, the second story is about how I use this principle with my clients. So often clients will come to work with me struggling with their relationship um, to their weight, right? Like they'll be unhappy in some way with their weight. And as we're going through their consultation in their first few sessions, it'll become clear that one of the things that they're doing is the, we talked about this cycle in a second ago, it's under eating for a few days, then they'll eat uncontrollably, then having guilt and shame in response to that overeating. And then when they do eat the things that they actually want, they eat them really quickly, they'll eat them in secret, they'll eat them alone. And because they're eating them in isolation, they're eating them with a lot of guilt, and they're eating them really fast, they're not actually enjoying anything about the experience. And then the cycle will repeat itself, right? They'll undereat for a few days. The deprivation thing will start. That primal drive will kick in like we talked about. And then the cycle repeats. And what happens here is just this downward emotional spiral where they never actually get the satisfaction. So one of the first things that I teach clients when this cycle becomes obvious is called savoring. So it's taking the time to actually enjoy the thing that you deeply, deeply want. You have permission to have the pleasure of the experience. So eat it slow, taste every bite, really get deep in enjoying the satisfaction. And then you, what happens is you actually just end up stopping because you're satisfied. 
And I found this to be true with myself, to clients. You just allow yourself to savor it, to enjoy the experience emotionally and hormonally, and then you feel good. So that's number five, discovering satisfaction. It was a big, long unpack of number five, but I think number five is so important and so often so undervalued. Um, you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. We are unpacking the 10 principles of intuitive eating. So, so far we've got rejecting the diet mentality is number one. Number two, honor your hunger. Number three, make peace with your food. No more war, make peace, call a truce. Number four, challenge the food police. You don't need them if you're not at war with your food. And number five was discover satisfaction. I'm sure you could tell a positive psychology person here all about the positive emotional experience. And it honestly does change your relationship to your motivation, to your drive, and to your outcomes and consistency. Okay, enough about satisfaction. Number six, feel your fullness. Full disclosure, I have struggled with this one my whole life. And while preparing for this episode actually had a big bell ringer, the bell ringer is an, an aha moment where something clicks for you for the first time and you immediately know that something's changed a corner, like turned a corner on you, like the bell went off in my head. So number six, feel your fullness. It's listening to your body's own signals that you're no longer hungry and to trust that when you are hungry, you will eat what you want again. Like I said, bell rang in my mind and here's why. I grew up in kind of a frenetic place. If you've heard me talk about it in the show before, um, I had this like deep, deep desire. I'll just have one more bite, one more bite in case I don't get to have this thing again, right? It was this idea that like, okay, just, just eat one more. I wouldn't have savored much of my meal to begin with, right? So I wasn't getting that number five emotional payoff thing I was just talking about. Um, and then I'd get to the end of whatever I was eating and I'd always try to stuff like a little bit more and a little bit more in. And I think it comes from being raised in a really diet heavy family. This idea that like, well, if I'm going to like start the diet Monday or I can't have that anymore. Ooh, or maybe I shouldn't be eating this. Then I have to get in as much as I possibly can get in case I don't get to have it again. But if you have stopped your war with your food and have unconditional permission to honor your hunger and all of these other um, principles, then I don't have to worry that I'm never going to get to eat it again. I can just enjoy it until I'm full, savoring the experience, and then stop. I'll let you know how that goes, since clearly that's something I'm going to work on now. <laughs> You know, it is kind of crazy um, being a professional in this space for over a decade, doing this show now for almost three years, and then having something that you're doing on this show and being like, oh, I see myself in this. Uh, and that was very much my experience working on this episode. So it is kind of cool uh, to be in that space. And I also uh, appreciate being at a moment where I can share that with you. And it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm not a good professional. If I don't have all this mastered, like peek behind the curtain, no one you're working with has all of it mastered. We're all people in process. And that's part of being a good practitioner. All right. So that's number six is feel your fullness and honor it. Number seven, cope with your emotions with kindness. I think there's two sides to this. So one we've already talked about, right? It's the shame, blame, and guilt that come with eating differently than our current social context, right? 
it's how we deal with that shame, blame, guilt that comes up when we do decide to try to break up with the food police and not be at war with our food and honoring our hunger cues. Like that's really different than what most of us have been taught. And to go, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. doesn't mean you're not going to have emotional reactions. Like you're going to have emotional reactions. I'll tell you from this side of the fence, but how we deal with that is part of how we cope. And that's going to be part of this feedback loop I'm talking about. So that's side one to this. I think the other side is that many of us are taught to meet our challenging emotions with food that then causes a different challenging emotion. So it's not only meeting the emotions that come up around food with kindness, but it's also learning coping skills for our other challenging emotions, right? And there's a lot there. But this principle, if we try to keep it narrow enough for the sake of this episode, is to cope with whatever emotions that come up with kindness. And for that, I want to point you at the episode that's already been on this show on self-compassion. So that episode was April 12th of 2022, so this year. Um, So if you go back in the queue to the self-compassion episode, I'm going to give you just a quick recap here of that episode's primary principles. So it's on the research of Kristen Neff, who's our leading researcher on self-compassion, And her model is three primary skills. So it's choosing self-kindness over self-judgment, humanity, our common humanity over isolation. So that means like telling yourself, you know, all people suffer and I deserve kindness and compassion just like anyone else. Instead of you're telling yourself like, oh, I'm such a weirdo for suffering with this. Why can't I get it right? What's wrong with me? Right. That would be the isolation. Um, So recognizing our common humanity responding to the suffering of that common humanity with kindness, and then mindfulness instead of over-identification. This is, am I aware of my state enough to have an appropriate response? Um, So I know for me, as I was a really over-emotional kid, right, mindful in the wrong way, and I was taught to suppress it, and I became like a person who was never allowed to have a problem. And so I've had to recalibrate to somewhere in the middle. And so like I said, a whole episode on this back on April 12th, Um, go back and enjoy that episode on self-compassion for this principle number seven, which is cope with your emotions with kindness. Number eight is to respect your body. And this is another one like I'm going to geek out on because it so aligns with my entire belief system. Um, You are the only you that will ever exist in, in this moment, in this timeline. If you believe in a multiverse, like you're it. And your body is the precious vehicle that your consciousness rides around in. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. Your body is where your consciousness lives, and it's the only one you're ever going to get. And I'm not even separating like mind and body and spirit. Like you're it. You're the only you you're ever going to know. And that idea is so core to my belief system and my values and literally everything this show is built on. Because everything you're ever going to do, everything you're ever going to experience, give, think, be, all of it, all of it happens in your embodiment. It happens because you have a body. And a direct quote from the Intuitive Eating website, your body deserves dignity, end quote. So number eight is to respect that body, to honor it, to love it. And I think 
when we understand what diet culture actually teaches us and what that does to our humanity, <laughs> it's a big word there, then we can't be respecting our body if we're engaging in things that actually hurt it. And so if you fully embrace this number eight principle, respect your body, I believe that it really changes the way that we show up in the world and we show up for ourselves. So number eight, respect your body. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. These are the 10 principles of intuitive eating, and we're almost there. Number nine is just movement. Feel the difference in yourself, in your being, when you move your body, right? If you respect your body, your body needs movement, you're going to move it. You know, I, I joke all the time that I'm the only personal trainer that you'll ever meet that hates exercise. Um, and it's not that I hate exercising. It's I hate the label exercise and I hate the way that we talk about exercise as like the only option because it's not. You don't necessarily, or I should say not everyone, I don't know if you particularly listener, if you need exercise, but I know that not everyone needs programmed and structured exercise towards a specific outcome. That's the definition of exercise. But all bodies crave movement on some level. Your body wants to move. You will have a very different emotional experience if you have a lifestyle built around movement. We know that it's not that happy people move more. It's that if you take a, a moving person and you chain them to their couch, within 10 days, they'll actually be clinically depressed. But if you take someone struggling with depression and you up their step count and you get them moving, they will have more sensitivity to their own serotonin and it's as effective as antidepressant medication or makes antidep antidepressant medication more effective. Movement changes your cognition, your hormonal function, your digestion, like literally every part of your body, your human existence is better when you move. So to live this principle, number nine, it's to focus on how you feel when you move your body and to connect with what movement feels good, what feels grounding and energizing. And one of the most important questions I ask my clients is how do you wanna feel? And then we start to explore what movement helps support them feeling that way. So to fully live this principle number nine, maybe it's exercise for you, maybe that's what feels good. And if it is, go bananas. But if it's not, there might be some other stuff out there that does feel good for you. So number nine, move and then feel it in you, how it changes your experience. All right, you've stuck it out. Here we go. It's number 10. Number 10 is to honor your health through gentle nutrition. Honor your health through gentle nutrition. There's a couple of layers to this one, and I want to unpack it for you. Because I think as a culminating principle, it really does uh, have a lot to offer. So it starts with treating your health and your experience of nutrition with balanced regard. So what does that mean? It means nutrition doesn't have to be perfect in order to be healthy. And that no one thing that you eat is going to make or break your nutrition. So I teach my clients to look at like, what's your trend level data? Like, what are you doing across a day or a month even? Instead of looking at like a single smack or a single meal or even a single day. And 
you know, something that I really took away from NASM's certified wellness coaching course is the idea that food and eating are so much more than our nutrition. It's cultural, it's personal expression, creativity, connection, community, heritage. It, it could even be connecting with your ancestors. You know, my husband is Italian American. He makes his grandmother's pasta sauce recipe from the old country. That is a deep connection with a grandmother he loved and a cultural heritage going back longer than I can possibly even fathom. And so if we're going to truly honor our holistic health, it means keeping all of these different elements in balance with the actual physical molecules that we're consuming when we eat. And I do see a way that I have encountered this principle being misinterpreted by some of my clients. And I want to speak to that. Because the flip side of that is the undeniable biological reality of the nutrition that the body needs, right? We talked about the primal drive thing and the craving thing earlier. So if we know that for a body to function, you need to like eat at certain timing and frequency, um, that you need specific, sufficient protein, you have, there's certain vegetables that your body needs, you have to have healthy fats. If we're going to honor our health through gentle nutrition, Yes, we need to balance all of the different things that nutrition can be and like all the different things food can be, excuse me. And we also need to recognize the undeniable biological reality of having a body and what that body needs so that we are honoring our health. So it's not that intuitive eating. And, and I've, this, I've directly encountered this with clients who say, well, I eat intuitively, so I'm not going to adjust my nutrition with any intentionality, but they have major macro and micronutrient deficiencies. They're not honoring their health. So intuitive eating is not one, it's not a diet. Two, it's not a weight loss strategy. Three, it's not an excuse to not eat what your body needs, right? We want to honor our health through gentle nutrition. So that's number 10. All right. So let's give a quick recap here of all 10 of the intuitive eating principles. I feel like this is where I need a drum roll. We need a little soundtrack. Of da -da 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 -da. I can't roll my arms. But number one, reject diet mentality. Number two, honor your hunger. Number three, make peace with food. Number four, challenge the food police. You don't need them if you're at peace with your food anyway. Number five. Discover satisfaction. Number six, feel your fullness. Number seven, cope with your emotions with kindness. Number eight is to respect your body. Number nine is movement. And number 10, honor your health through gentle nutrition. So if you want more information about living these practices, you could go to intuitiveeating.org. And I also want to throw a quick plug out here for NASM's Certified Wellness Coaching course. The nutrition component is built heavily on the foundational principles of intuitive eating. So if you're considering getting certified as a CWC and you want an additional $100 off, you could use the code MARSHALLCWC at checkout through December 4th of 2022. And I know that doesn't give you very many more days, 
but you still can get in there. And that stacks on top of the Black Friday discount, like the Cyber Monday, the whole holiday discount thing. Um, so it's an additional $100 off. It's actually in combination, the um, lowest price they've ever offered for that certification. And so it's just a thank you from the show um, to our dedicated fans. We want, we want to get you in here, get you as a CWC. We'd be honored and happy. Okay. One final reminder before we wrap up, submit your questions for the birthday episode. You could email them info at darlene.coach. You can find me on Instagram. I'm darlene.coach. You can either put it into the post that I'm going to make about that episode or shoot me a DM. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. There'll be a post up there as well by the time this episode goes up. And I also just want to thank everyone who has been writing us reviews. I've seen the number go way up. Um, and the peek behind the curtain is that what it does is help other people organically find the show. Uh, it bumps us up rankings and recommendations. So if you like the show, like hopefully you're already subscribed. If you're not, go do that. But if you also like the show, if you've gotten something out of the show, share it on social media. Please tag me because then I can reshare it. Um, that does help us grow our audience. But another way that you could really help us is to go give us a five-star review and actually write a review because that is how we game the algorithm and we help the show grow. Um, and a few people have also reached out to express how recent episodes have helped them. If you have a story about how an episode of Better Than Fine has helped you, please don't hesitate to reach out. I would love to hear from you. Um, thank you all and be well. Take good care. Mm -hmm.